Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, na'ahmaduhu wa nusalli ala rasulihi al-kareem amma ba'd. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala, we seek blessings in the Prophet, peace be upon him. Continuing, what is Islam by Shahab Ahmad. What page is this? 63. With the paragraph beginning, the most influential. Wait, I have a question before yes. I start. Um, about what we read last time, how do they justify drinking wine? If they read the Quran, if they know that it's not... Allowed. Um, uh, actually, let me just answer this text. Hold on. Sorry. This okay. is a. Okay, I'm back. <clears throat> so, so your question is, how do they justify? I mean, one thing I think that's not being addressed in this book is that a lot of these actions that look like you know people are partaking haram, uh, I think might be the actions of people of a particular social class, like the elite, okay. right? Uh, I'm suspecting, and I could be 100% wrong, that what's being spoken about here in terms of, you know, um, the, um, the, the, you know, the free drinking and partying, uh, I think uh, it's not treated the same way among the masses. Yes, you do have among many masses people who drink and such, um, but even then it's still understood to be a vice or taboo. And here it's looked at, it's being described as something beneficial. And so I think that's part of it too, right? Um, now, how are they then justifying it beyond that? I don't know. Oh. I really uh, don't know what their justification is. Like the art part we saw, uh, right. how they're justifying it. And I think we're going to see a little bit more about how it gets, uh, it gets justified here. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, okay. okay. Let's read whoever's reading. The most influential, that is, most widely copied, read, and reworked book of political theory and practical philosophy, Hikmati Amali, is Islamic in Islamic history until the modern period. The ethics, a cloth of the philosopher, astronomer, and statesman, Nasruddin Tusi, 1274, which circulated widely, enjoying paradigmatic status as a book of social norms and ideals throughout the Balkans to Bengal complex. It is cited above in the list of standard illustrated books contains a chapter expressly dedicated to the manners of wine drinking, adab i sharab khordan, indicating the normalness of the practice. Tusi's bottom line is, <laughs> a gentleman may drink, but should never be blotto. What's blotto? I have no completely, idea. I think completely uh, wasted. Blotto is extremely drunk. Like shwasted? Yeah, shwasted. Oh. What's shwasted? Blotto. Just a cool way to say wasted. Is this like an Arabic Arab way to say? No. Okay. Okay. When one. Oh. Okay. No. So yeah. So the bottom line is, a gentleman may drink, but should never get wasted. All right. When one enters a wine gathering, in no case may one stay so long as to become drunk. If a man have a poor head for wine, he should drink little, or he should dilute it, or he should leave the party earlier. Let him not become involved in the conversation of drunken men or busy himself in meditation between them, or mediation between them. However, where matters eventuate in hostility, he should restrain them from attacking each other. <laughs> should a malice overcome him, let him fight it off in the midst of the assembly in such a way that his companions do not become aware thereof, or let him go outside without delay. Once he has vomited, he may return to the party. Okay. Wow. So, so... I mean, back, back to your question, <clears throat> it seems like part of the justification they're doing is like when someone says, you know, I just, I drink moderately, right? You know, when someone says that. Yeah. And so there's, these prescriptions are saying, don't get drunk. Okay? 
So you can have some, but just as long as you don't get drunk. And and so so the principle in, in Islamic law is right. If, and we saw this in this chapter that if something is haram in a certain quality, a certain quantity, then it's haram in a small quantity. And and so they are not following that uh, that uh, understanding. Okay. So maybe the principle they're just using is um, just as long as you drink enough where you don't get drunk. You know? Tusi's here not telling Muslims not to drink. Rather, he is telling them as a practical and social matter the right way to drink. So I wonder, <clears throat> um, the early part of this chapter contradicts this, but I wonder if he's basically saying, all right, if you're going to drink, then do it like this. That I can understand because those are conversations that, that I will have in my office, mm. right? You know, someone will be partake, uh, partaking of something that is not Islamically okay, and so in working with them to figure out how to, in the long term, weed it out, you know, I'll say, you know, okay, well, see if you can restrict it to this time and that time, or something like that. Right. You know, could be something like that. Yeah. Later on, can I ask you, like, from a Muslim social work perspective, yeah. the theory of, like, harm reduction and how mm-hmm. it relates in faith? I mean, I mean, I think, um, um, uh, it's pretty straightforward. Did you have something in particular in mind, or? I'm just thinking, like, in the context of any addiction. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, the, the, the principle would be harm reduction, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, so, like, you know, if there's a, something somebody's doing where they're an addict, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not, and I don't mean someone that would be officially classified as an addict, but they can't seem to break the habit, right? right? Um, so I mean, so when we look at the uh, the three steps through which alcohol gets banned, mm-hmm. the first ayah is, um, you know, there's benefit in it, but the harm outweighs the benefit. So there's an education, right? And then the second step is don't come drunk to prayer, and third step is this is the filth of shaitan, right? And, and so that process at the time of the Sahaba is years, mm-hmm. and they have a prophet among them, peace be upon him. And so, so somebody today, that whole process might be 10 years, 20 years, depending upon, upon the issue. But the first step is, is to, to focus on education. And if they are, if the practice is detrimental, like there's some things that people do that, you know, will affect other aspects of life, then I might, you know, immediately switch them to that second step, like, you know, see if you can cut it down at these times and those mm-hmm. times, right? Especially, like, if someone's drinking. It'd be one thing if you don't have a job or anything like that, yeah. right? Um, but if your drinking is leading you to pass out, leading you to, to miss all your classes the next day, then, you know, put some controls on that. And that could be not taking the right steps. Maybe, maybe I should focus, now I'm thinking about this, maybe I should focus first on the education aspect. How long did it take during the prophet's time? Uh, I forgot when the first revelations came down, but um, it may have been as much as 10 years. Okay. Yeah. okay. That there was an ethic, as in the title of Tusi's work, attached to drinking, and that the drinking of wine constituted an element within a larger articulated and integrated worldview and ethos of Muslim existence is precisely what is expressed in the poetry of Hafiz, discussed above. And any doubts that the poetry of Hafiz was understood by its audience to refer as much to physical wine as to metaphysical, metaphorical wine may be removed summarily by admitting into exhibitory evidence a representative wine jug. 
There are several others made in Herat in 1461-62, inscribed with the following gazelle from the Divan of Hafiz. Better than pleasure, than the conversation of friends, than the garden in springtime, what is there? Where is the wine bearer? Tell, why are we waiting? What is there? Every moment of joy that comes in hand, take as a gift. No one has knowledge at the end of this work. What is there? Life is tied by a hair thread. Take heed. Tend your own sorrows. As for the sorrows of the world, what is there? The meaning of the water of life and the garden of Iram. Save for the bank of a brook and agreeable wine, what is there? The abstinent and the drunkard are both of the one tribe. If we give our heart to whose charms, what choice, what is there? What does the silent firmament know of the secret beyond the veil? O claimant, you quarrel with the curtain keeper, what is there? If the cruelty and infidelity of the beloved are not taken into the reckoning, what means the grace and mercy of God, what is there? The ascetic desired drink from the fountain of paradise and hafiz from the wine cup. Gods will twixt the two. We shall see what is there. Okay, somebody translate this for us. I'm also struggling with this. Better than pleasure, than the conversations of friends, than the garden in springtime, what is there? Where is the wine bearer? Where are we waiting? What is there? Every moment of joy. Um, so, what's better than all this? I think it's sort of like he's kind of, I think, by that the repetition of that statement, what is there? He's kind of coming to some sort of, like, I don't know, moral or, like, um, descriptive relativity, mm -hmm. you know, because he, he, he seems to be giving you sort of opposites, and he's saying, like, look how similar they are, you know, mm -hmm. and so, you know, what it, what is really there if there's no difference in those, mm -hmm. in those. Okay, in maybe, yeah. Your guess is as good as mine here. Okay, let's continue. Yes. No, I was just no, I was just no, no. I wasn't trying to read. I was just trying to say there's that line at the end. I think also, uh, where he said we shall see what is there. Uh, it's kind of like you know, it's up to God to decide. You know, like I feel like some folks do that now. You know, like God will, God only God can judge me type of thing. But okay. I think this is like he's What'd kind of say? saying that. He said the inner Tupac, only okay. God can judge me. Uh, okay. Okay, um, but like you know, because he's saying like we like we can't. Like, we can't make these these distinctions. We can't really... We can't really parse them down, but, like, God is the only one that can. So he'll, he'll you know, he'll, he'll do it in the end. Works for me. He'll, yeah. yeah. Okay, let's continue. This wine jug, preserved in the Victoria and Albert Museum in London, dates from the reign in Herat of Sultan Hussein Mirza Baifara, 1470 to 1506, patron of a magnificent cultural... Efflorescence, which included the above-mentioned philosopher, poet, and Sufi, Jami, the great elaborator in Persian of the thought of Ibn Arabi, and also the above-mentioned Jesus-like painter, Bizad, who acquired the status of a model prince in the historical imagination of the Balkans to Bengal complex, and of whom the Mughal Emperor Babur wrote in his autobiography, autobiography for the nearly 40 years that he was king in there was not a day when he did not drink wine after performing the noonday prayer, but that he never drank a morning draught, as was also the state of affairs with his sons and all his military and civilian officials. 
Hussein Behra, am I pronouncing that correctly? Uh, yeah, I think so. Seems in this matter to have been one step ahead of the 11th century Ziyarib ruler of northern Iran, Khaybas bin Iskander, who in his mirror for princes, the Khabusama, yeah. advised, begin your drinking after the mid-afternoon prayers. Mm-hmm. So... Mirror for Princes is a whole genre of literature, which is basically advice for kings and princesses. And uh, this is further confirming the point that I made at the beginning, that it seems like this widespread drinking is in the elite classes, right, Uh, as opposed to the masses, or this approach to this widespread drinking, like this is a, a cultural refinery. Yeah. Them talking about prayers reminded me of something I was going to ask last time. Um, how do these guys sort of reconcile, I know they've reconciled like the, somehow they've done it with the ayahs of the Quran forbidding uh, alcohol drinking what, and also the prophet about you know the small amount, large amount. Mm-hmm. What about the hadith of the Prophet where uh, we get the sort of you know if you, if you the person who drinks their, their prayer isn't accepted for X amount of time. So that so hadith like those are very common in our community here mm. um uh, don't assume that uh, that type of knowledge was that common in these different circles, right? Because those that those hadith aren't as maybe widespread, uh, right? Because um, it just it seems weird to me. I was like, why aren't they addressing this point? I'm not saying like they. I mean, like for example, I didn't even hear that hadith until my later adult life. Wow. Yeah, and so, I mean, in these classes, I mean, so uh, these social classes, the Quran is definitely there, but their approach mm-hmm. to the uh, to the Prophet peace be upon was more focused. In the way we would think of the Sufis, probably, right? Like, uh, on the person rather than his narrations. Ah. So, I know uh, this might have been addressed, but one thing I was thinking about is, like, because in, in this context, it's, it's sort of a higher social class, but I feel like earlier, especially, like, when you were talking about the poetry, people drank to sort of reach a higher spiritual mm-hmm. level. Yeah, right? here, here, yeah, here it doesn't seem like that. Right. And so, I was just thinking, when I was thinking about that, I was like, how, I don't, like, this is more understandable to me when it's, like, a social function. Yeah. But I guess it doesn't comprehend to me, like, how, or I can't rationalize, like, drinking to, like, to achieve spiritual elevation. Um, Meaning you don't understand how that would happen? Yeah, because it seems contradictory towards, like, our very idea of, like, spirituality. What's our very idea of spirituality? Or, like, gaining clarity, right? Okay. Clear, clear so, of mind so how many people have that view that clarity is, is our spirituality? Uh, Quran and Sunnah. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning, I'm saying that's what it is, but for most people, spirituality is a feeling, right? And so mm-hmm. alcohol is intoxicating you, so it's taking you into a different feeling. Mm-hmm. And that they're defining as spirituality. Or all those right. people who do like ayahuasca and DMT trips. They yeah, yeah. Like they've oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I had have. a debate with my friend because she was like, when he got high, he's like, I see God. I feel yeah. like I'm connected yeah. to God. And I was like, why would you need to be intoxicated to do that? Mm-hmm. Right? Like that's... But I mean, uh, I think that a whole lot of people, especially get into some of the other narcotics um, uh, for this quote-unquote higher state, which might actually be a lower state, but um, mm-hmm. but they've defined it as a higher state, right? Um, and so I'm saying the same thing about alcohol. That culturally, if you're saying, you know, this is taking you to a higher state, then you're like, okay, that's what a higher state is. Yeah, it's, you know? it's, it just seems like definitions that, you know, people, people could say whatever it is, you know. Like, uh, 
you know, I'll always have students for saying, I'm not getting anything out of my prayer, right? Mm -hmm. Or I'm not getting anything out of fasting. And then I have to make a point to them that, all right, if you're making your prayer, you're actually doing something, you're actually accomplishing something. If you're doing your fast, you are actually accomplishing something. You're looking in the wrong direction for, for what you're supposed to get out of it, right? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you also are reminding me of, <clears throat> suppose again, 500 years from now, people are looking at Islam of the early 21st century. Um, what are they going to look at? If they're going to look at the whole population, they're going to look at all the rulers, just like we look at all the rulers in yeah. the past. And would it be a surprise to say, you know, suppose we found that the vast majority of Muslim rulers do drink exactly like this. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and so, like, that doesn't surprise me, right? Mm -hmm. Like, the, even in this context, rulers drinking, like, I'm like, yeah. after Dohar, I was like, yeah, sounds bougie, mm -hmm. your thing. But, yeah. like, it's more so the, like, when the argument is made for spirituality. That's when I'm like... But like, I'm saying, I'm like, just be a Harami, but don't try to justify yeah, it. You're, 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 yeah, I agree with you. Feel that like it obliterates their ego and they're connected yes. to this like wider yeah. thing. Yeah. Like, Especially acid, right? Yeah. I mean, that's how like Timothy Leary would have <laughs> so, Not a personal experience. She said, yeah. She's like, oh yeah, for acid. Ooh, I'm glad you mentioned yeah. that. No, but I mean, that's very much how how LSD is presented. Yeah. You know, and what's the other one? I mean, but mushrooms and all these other things, yeah. right? They're presented as these things that give you, like, a spiritual state. Yeah. Right? Which we might just say is intoxication, but we might change our stance if we tried it. Maybe should we try that as a... Just kidding. Okay, so... Why are you winking at us? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Why are you never going to come back to class? Okay, so, okay, just, okay, so continue reading. I stopped getting the invites, man. The inscribed verses of Hafiz present a moral, intellectual, and existential valorization of wine where a positive value is articulated for wine by conscious means of a dialectical invocation of elements of the textual world of Muhammadan revelation. The secret beyond the veil, Quran 4251, Al-Shura, tells us that God speaks to man, min wara-i-hijabin. Oh, look at that word. From behind a veil, yeah. the fountain of paradise, an engagement with Quran 108.1, El Kalthar, the garden of Iram, an invocation of Quran 89.6, El Fajr, and the Quranical ubiquitous grace and mercy of God. The, pres the present Vazel ends with the statement that it remains to be seen in favor of whom what it is that God will ultimately rule. Will it be Hafiz and wine, or the ascetic and abstinence, or neither? Or both, God might well finally say, if we give our heart to whose charms, what choice, what is there? This wine jug, similar to other surviving objects, like it made by and for the use of Muslims, is self-evidently a reification of the place of wine in a larger, interarticulated, aesthetical and ethical sensibility that has meaning only with reference to the revelatory sources of Islam, as well as an instrument of the fact of the practice of the consumption of wine in a social milieu conscious of what we might say inscribed with this complex of values it is complex of values it is th is this complex of values and practices and the object that embodies and bears witness to them islamic okay so yeah so i mean so he's saying like uh, all these cultures are complex right they're complicated and so looking from the outside in it seems like a no brainer why are they drinking this is wrong but 
if we look at you know all the practices we do uh, as being inherited and such um, uh, from all these uh, forces, there are things that might be very serious that we don't realize are actually very serious. And one example could be all the photographs that we take, right? Um, it could be that in the hierarchy of things, photographs are very seriously bad. Okay? But because they're so ubiquitous, we don't even think about it. Mm. Um, I'm not saying that they are seriously bad, but I'm saying, well, what if they are? A different example of that would be, <laughs> yeah. No, suppose uh, one, like, I mean, imagine, okay, people 500 years from now looking at our era. What do you think they would say, you know, about the, like, how did these Muslims justify this? I what would be some things? I think it would be a lot of negative environmental. Yeah, I think so. One is, you know, just uh, the way we're just devouring the environment. Uh, I think people, you know, who are uh, in the future who are even going to be victims of this mm -hmm. um, will look back and just wonder how could these Muslims justify that. What else? Also, um, possibly sort of the, especially economically, like a lot of Muslims give sort of this unlicensed sanction to like mass market capitalism, which, you know what I'm saying? Like in terms of like corporations and things like that. Give an example. I don't know, like... I, I don't know if I, if I can do a detail one. But just, I mean, like, in terms of, like, oh, we, the Islam is, like, for, you know, in terms of the economics, we're somewhat about the free market, so... Well, I we mean, whether of, or not we say we are, some people say we are, but yeah. we practice it, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean uh, the vast, you know, perhaps all of our possessions right now are part of the mass market, yeah. right? Um, what else? So are you asking about things we do or things that we let happen? Uh, well... That's uh, for people 500 years from now, uh, those people may not make a difference, a distinction. Right? Um, so, and we might even, it might even be fair to say that if I'm not doing anything about it, then I'm doing it. Right? Yeah. I feel like this also kind of the, the undertone to this, especially this, this section, seems to be also to keep in mind how like history works or the, the like the, the, science of history in this case because like you know you could also say like a lot of these what he's quoting seem to be from a very um sort of privi privileged uh section of this life and maybe mm -hmm. you know and i'm not i'm not trying to like just to counter counter it just to counter it but like maybe you know for the sort of the common um people yeah like don't the, have the, those, like people's history type yeah of. like they might not have these same resources yeah. Totally. To I mean, I think give a counter to it. Um, that's that's uh, one of the hard parts in studying history is that the the artifacts that you have available usually are going to be the artifacts that belong to the wealthy. Yeah. Right. Um, you're not going to have as many artifacts of the lower classes, except like dishes. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, um, you usually don't have much else. Right. I mean, go to go to like the the art institute or the field museum. Uh, anything that's like over like 500 years old, um, you're probably going to see stuff that's in the homes of, of wealthier people, the princes and stuff, as opposed to what's in a common home. And so that gives you a limited understanding. And that could be the case here. Uh, what, else, what else would people look at 500 years from now and think, how could the Muslims you know, of that time um, you know, be well, part of this? Like all of what's going on in like a bunch of different Muslim nations. Like, like Syria and so there's there's all this global destruction yeah. that's happening and 
And then even related to that, uh, I think, to, um, just what is effectively slave labor. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, all the trafficking yeah, like that's going on. And, stuff, yeah. and, and even though I'm not endorsing it, I am with my dollars, I am endorsing it. Yeah. Right. Um, I've talked about that website, right, Slavery Footprint. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, those guys, who, if you haven't gone to that, go to slaveryfootprint.org and I'll tell you how many slaves were required for you to have your lifestyle. Right. How much forced labor. And yeah, I think people 500 years from now are going to look at that and say, you know, how did Muslims justify that? Right. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if someone comes along some book that is saying, you know, here's how you justify it through passages or something. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so the point is, some of this um, uh, that we're seeing as outrageous practices might just be the result, I'm not justifying any of it, but it might just be the result of this is how life is playing out and they had other bigger priorities mm -hmm. that they were focused on, right? If you're a king, you're focused much more on preservation of your kingdom and expansion of your kingdom. And so in their minds, this drinking thing is probably just something really small, right? Mm -hmm. And they probably do assign, you know, historically, you know, wine was given this status of something very, very high, like as opposed to beer, right? Beer would be like the the regular person's alcohol, whereas wine is more for the elite. And so that's just what they decide is part of their culture, you know. I mean, keep in mind, these are all people who are sending people to die, right, in, in war. So maybe this doesn't register in their logic. Okay, let's continue. The consumption of wine was thus, like the production of figural painting discussed above, prohibited in legal discourse, but positively valued in non-legal discourse especially amongst those social and political elites who instituted and secured the structures of the state and the very legal institutions that regulated society. Thus, the Mughal emperor, Babur, writes disarmingly in his autobiography about his lifelong struggle with the bottle, the diplomatic gifts of the Safavid Shah Abbas to the great Mughal Jahangir yeah, included a choice selection of wine. And the Ottoman Sultan Ibrahim, remembered as Sarhosh the Drunk, was popularly <laughs> reputed to have undertaken the conquest of vine-rich Cyprus for the express purpose of lubricating <laughs> That's a great <laughs> way to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I had a teacher who, um, uh, who was like a, who ran like an independent business, and he'd always talk about how like, you know, he'd go meet this client to go drink lunch with him. <laughs> to drink lunch. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, it's pretty gangster. He's like, I want this wine, so he's like, he invaded Cyprus. Subhanallah. Gosh. I kind of put respect on it. Yeah, we don't need to hear that, especially while we're fasting. Okay, continue. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so people are gonna look back and see this one figure, and I won't even mention his name on this recording, and they'll think, how is he fasting and then making these comments that are like so wrong? Okay, you know, it's the true essence of the self. Exactly, oh, the true self God. is coming up. Babur noted further of his royal cousin, Besunger, whom he recognized as a just, humane, fine-natured prince of learned virtue, that he was excessively fond of wine. When not drinking, he would perform his prayers. So, if that's, if that's the culture you're inheriting, you know, so, I mean, imagine you're the child of a slave master, okay, um, and you're regarding slavery to be horrendously wrong. But this is still the culture that you're inheriting. 
and you're deciding it's too much of a struggle for you to actually work to 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 free the slaves because now you're not going to have income and stuff you know not justifying any of it but i think that is how you know people behave that's sort of like the story about lola we were talking about oh yes what was the story did, didn't you uh, read that Atlantic article that was it was causing waves? Oh, yeah, people have told me about yeah. it. I still haven't read it yet. Oh, you should. But it's yeah. He doesn't, I don't know, like, I'm not saying he justifies it, but he kind of does. Like, he tries to, like, free her, and he's like, well, she can, and she has no agency anymore, mm-hmm. and, like, mm-hmm. so he brought her to live with him. Like, it was a slave his mother had. Mm-hmm. This is a mild <coughs> story, but it's a yeah. slave his mother had, and then he took her when he got married. I mean, it's still all over, all over the subcontinent where you'll have one family that lives in quarters in the overall house of the other family, and this one family's whole responsibility yeah, is to take care of the other yeah, family. Yeah. Yeah. And that's considered to be normal. Some people look from the outside in and say, okay, there's a whole power dynamic there. Um, and it becomes it's effectively slavery, because where are they going to go? Um, inside the house, uh, people take it as normal, and they have to treat the other family with respect and everything. Um, but... We might look at them and say, you know, how could you do this? Like, you have literally a whole family. Their job is to serve this other family, you know. And often they're also the Islam teachers, right? It's interesting how many scholars are in our history who are actually the slaves in a house. Wow, really? Yeah. And so, so yeah, I mean, really, really try to look at this book as showing how life really plays out, you know. Because again, if we spoke, if we said this was the behavior of modern Arab dictators, I don't think it would be surprising at all. No, and maybe a little bit uh, less. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> these guys make their prayers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then and then add to that that all right, all of these uh, these dictators are going to elevate particular scholars. Yeah, right, you're going to elevate this not the scholar that you think is most knowledgeable. You're going to elevate the scholar that in your brain is the most practical. Which in your without realizing you're just you're elevating the scholar who's going to agree with you the most, and so then the scholar's job is to find justification, right, and that creates the whole the whole environment because now you'll figure out some, you know, you know legitimate or completely twisted Islamic justification, and now you have the whole industry. Yeah. In countries today that are ruled by Muslims, I know that they'll like appoint certain scholars, but how do you? think that like plays out here so here <coughs> it's it's basically the open marketplace and so it's so it's the scholar who who markets you know himself usually him the best right isn't it okay. yeah you know um i mean look at the people who are followed um it's charisma yeah right yeah you know you got you have sheikh amin in the western suburbs who who becomes more and more unknown, who is respected in those circles as being one of the biggest scholars in the country, wow. right? Um, and then he has a whole team of scholars who work for him, and they all even study from each other, right? Um, but if one of these celebrity preachers came to town, everyone's going to flock there, yeah. right? You know? And so, yeah, we're seeing capitalism in action, capitalism of the monetization of knowledge. There also oh, seems yeah. to be like we've also sort of like become aware of the sort of like 
the level of some of these guys. Like they're you know they're not as deep as we we you know the the real guys out there you know. But we still do it anyway. Like I think we're you know it's like you know like this sort of like this mass market product you're getting isn't. Like you're, you're getting product. the McDonald's or Taco yeah, Bell version. Yeah, you know that, but you're like addicted yeah. now. You know, you're like, yeah. it's convenient, it's yeah. fast, and it's good. Just like yeah. fast food. Yeah. It's same thing. Wow. So either you can eat real Mexican food with all the real spices in it and everything, or you can have Taco Bell. And a lot of times people are going to pick Taco Bell. Right? That's what you're getting. Sometimes you just want to AM Crunch Wrap, bro. AM Crunch Wraps, I'm putting it out there. Oh, here we go. It's amazing. Everyone should try it once in their life. <laughs> it's going to transform your breakfast. Inshallah. Some people just make me want to retire from teaching. Anyway, anyway but how the does, point... How does it feel that you've made no progress in my like entire teaching career? Yeah. With me, just in eight years, it's been the same... I think in your uh, case, I've actually, you know, we've moved backwards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... God, God sent me to keep you humble. Such a so, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You guys gonna corrupt you know you know Sandra over here. He's gonna start forgetting surahs out for the love, yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Whoa, 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 that whoa, 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 yeah, it's not no. Uh huh. Yeah. You have an issue. Yeah, you guys you guys can go that way, but yeah. Teacher slop cannot. He's yeah. like, you can talk about drinking this whole time. Yeah. But so so the point again is um that uh this is how life plays out. And so perhaps people will look back um at our era and wonder like, you know, how, you know, like, what kind of strange ways was knowledge produced and disseminated um, mm. in, in this era? Yeah. I'm going to be thinking about that for a while. This fast <laughs> food. Could, yeah, could, could, we, could we also say, like, that's partially how, partially how maybe it played out in a lot of Muslim societies, especially with regards to scholarship back in the day, where is it maybe, like, the certain scholars who's, um, who are prominent, uh, are we getting that because they were like the charismatic popular ones, ones? or what is it is it like could you say it's the opposite because they were like like the real ones so to speak um, like their stuff is preserved for posterity I'm so like I wonder about like people like Al-Ghazali like yeah. I wonder if uh, they did much public preaching yeah right um, <clears throat> so there are definitely scholars including Ghazali including many of these other ones who had the patronage of of the leader yeah. Right? Um, and then there were some, like, okay, so Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani. Yeah. Big, gigantic scholar. He came from a very wealthy family, uh-huh. which then, the fact that his family was so wealthy, it made it so that he could spend all his time in study. Mm. Right? Uh, whereas Abu Hanifa, you know, his father, he would sell silk, he would sell silk, and then he would also uh, give his students money so they could focus more on study and stuff. Wow. Right? So we did have scholars coming from all the different social classes. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if those that had the patronage of the leader had a lot more reach mm-hmm. in their lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. Speaking beyond their lifetime, I think that's more a question of how things just played out throughout history, ah. right? You know, Bukhari, when he was first compiling his hadith, yeah. what was he getting accused of? Bidah, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You know, which is interesting because now it's the people of Bukhari who accuse everybody else of Bidah. That's so true. Yeah. Because, I mean, who, who did this practice of compiling hadith and organizing them in, in such categories? That was, a, that was a departure. And so, uh, but was Bukhari's collection 
widespread in his lifetime. He was very revered, or very respected or revered in the circle of scholars. Mm. And for the lay people, uh, I don't even know if that happened until the past 50 years. Right? right. Among yeah. lay people. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like, sort of math. The mass, mass publication. Yeah, mass print. Yeah. Well, well, that was the other class we were talking about, mass media, right? Print like the Ottomans didn't. Yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah. So, um, yeah, so again, look at this book, <coughs> excuse me, as pointing out, here's how Islam's been playing out in, in its history. <coughs> it's possible that all of these people will be accepted by Allah, or it's possible that all these stray things might be, you know, the people who are going to go to hell. We're not going to find that out until the other side. But this book is not giving us a discourse on how, what is okay to be Muslim. Yeah. I think it, 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 this is also a good read for, for those of us who may be, you know, coming from a certain Islamic background. There's a, there is a very much a idealized uh, sort of picture of Islam mm-hmm. as this sanctifying movement, mm-hmm. so to speak. And I, I mean, I'm not, like, it might still be, you know, aside from these things, right? And I think I remember at, at telling you as far as, like, violence, for example, mm-hmm. in terms of like, inflicted on the rulers amongst their masses, like, Muslim societies on the whole seem to be a lot better than, you know, other ones. On average. On average, yeah. Yeah. But, like, um, I think it also kind of makes you appreciate, uh, and this might be a little selfie of me, like, the sort of, the the first couple of generations, uh, you know, or the the Sahaba and then the generations that followed them, you know, where Mm. they seem to, like, really realize it in a certain way. Seems that way, yeah. right? I mean, again, look at the look at the Muslim world today, and we would probably, when we think of the Muslim world today, we'd probably not include the Muslim leaders. Yeah. Right? But they are part of the Muslim world, yeah. and they have more influence than yeah. most of our celebrity preachers. Yeah. That's the interesting yeah. thing about that list of the 500 most influential people. Yeah. Like, the top 10 or 15 are all, are all you know, heads of state. Yeah. And I think that's factual. Those are the most influential sure. Muslims in the world. For sure. And, but we would not want to put them on our map. No. Right. And that's what we do when we look back. We are only looking at those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you mean? The like, leaders. All like this, this book stuff. is filled with like leaders and stuff, and we're assuming that like that we wouldn't feel that those leaders today represent us or Islam or our yeah. Islam, but that's what we're doing to past generations. Yeah, and so, uh-huh. so the masses under these people are probably feeling the same way about mm-hmm. their leaders, right? But I, no, I don't know. I mean, I can't even speak. I mean, so oh. a lot of these dictators do have the support of a lot of their masses. Right there's yeah. a lot of people who do support Sisi in Egypt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right there's a lot of people who who do support you know the king uh, uh, King Hussein of Jordan. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And part of this because that's just what's in their culture and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, but to go with Umar's point, I think like you see that a lot uh, today because like when people sort of idealize Islam or the, you know they talk about Islam as like you know this is how it should be they sort of divorce that from, like, the reality of Muslims today. That's exactly it. Right? They're like, oh, well, Muslims today aren't practicing Islam, mm-hmm. or they're not. But it's like, at what point do you separate the two? Yeah. Right? Like... What does that mean? Meaning that, like, it's only to a certain point you could say, well, Islam says this, and Muslims are like this. Like, yeah. if we're not a representation of our religion, then, you know, what is? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's the critique that you get from the outside in, right? So there's the Islamophobes who say that the terrorists are Did the real Muslims. No, 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 no. No, he called you parents. No, no, I've already, yeah. So, so, so the Islamophobes will focus on the worst, right? But still the question from a whole lot of people is that, all right, I mean, 
look at everything we've got all over the all over the Muslim populations. I mean, um, you can blame it on colonialism all you want, but Islam is there. Islam didn't fix it. I mean, that's the critique that would come from the outside. Yeah. So that is Islam today, right? And we can lament and say, no, it isn't. But then when is it? You know, when is it actually Islam? Okay. I mean, sort of agreeing with that, then why is it that so many, like, scholars use that language? As, as far language? as, like, um, you know, we've lost something or we've lost our way and to get back is... I think you're still speaking about celebrity preachers. You know, or no, I'm, scholars. I, maybe. I've used some, like... It's like, I've studied it. No, no, don't, don't, don't. Don't, don't, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. No, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like, I don't know, I'm thinking of, like, Sheikh Akram Nadwi, I don't know if he's a celebrity. I don't, I don't know if I'm, I think, I think, he's, uh, like, median. I think the man's made him into a celebrity. I think oh, before yeah. that he was quiet. No, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't classify him as a celebrity scholar. No, but, and I'm thinking maybe his, his might be more coming from the subcontinent background, because I feel like we lean towards that anyway, just because... You know, like the Darulum background had to sort of preserve the deed and, you know, keep that. You know, that was their whole effort. So okay. we kind of look at it as we might lose it, like, you know, that type of thing. So I don't know. I just, because he, he, I feel like I've, I remember him say? using something. Like, you know, in order for us to sort of get back to something. Okay, I mean, that part I think would be fair. Um, that you would hear from scholars in the sense that you will often hear from scholars the fact that nobody funds them. Right. Mm -hmm. So in America, the vast majority of do Muslim donations will go to building buildings mm -hmm. uh, or relief work. Mm -hmm. And then now you have all the GoFundMe things like, okay, you know, this guy's a uh, defendant Muslim, so let's, let's raise money for him, which is still a good thing, right? Yeah. Um, yeah but the, the point being that, um, you know, uh, the, the scholar community gets peanuts in terms of donations. Is that yeah. just like in general? Do you think that's like... Like the modern West, like issue with the church and all the donations that used to go there. I think, <clears throat> uh, I think some of that would is is true, not in the sense of just a direct linkage, mm -hmm. but in the sense that, all right, so physical material things are what uh, um, is valued here, mm -hmm. and then you know you're Muslim in the society, and so that's where you're going to value. Uh, I do also think that a lot of people who are coming from back home Muslim countries don't have as much appreciation for service, right? So if uh, the, uh, a great many people who've come from uh, many of our back home Muslim countries, if they had to choose between a stock, meaning a certificate, uh, versus a physical building, they're going to pick the building. So they understand real estate, mm -hmm. right? Uh, they don't understand, you know, the value of service and things like that. Interesting. Right? Uh, I think that's a, a very, very common issue. And I think more than that, they just don't value knowledge. Right? Uh, that, uh, I mean, part of it is that, okay, I feel, uh, until like someone starts studying more and more and more and more, I think a person can't actually appreciate a scholar. Right? Mm -hmm. You know, the, the depth and rigor of, of the study. Um, you can, from a distance, sort of, you know, have respect for it, but to truly appreciate it, um, um, like what this person has in, in their brain. Um, you, know, you have to be in that, in that realm for, to some degree. It know. seems to be this, uh, the case generally, I think, like, uh, where, like, expertise in lay people are just 
they keep getting like you know mm -hmm. like where you know i think even with the whole trump thing right where like people are just like you know, if your facts, like, we believe mm -hmm. what we believe, mm -hmm. you know, it's more... And they say, like, there's this trend now of, like, this anti-intellectual... Yeah, so you often find the right wing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, in Muslim world, too. Have you, have you heard of that book by that one guy? He's, like, this Republican or conservative uh, strategist or something. Tom Nichols, he wrote this book called The Death of Expertise. Yeah. A lot of people are, like, recommending it, I remember. And he, he talks about that, where he says, like, as a country, we don't we don't appreciate that anymore, and that's why you know he goes into stuff like the whole, the people you know talking about drinking like uh, what is it unpasteurized milk for example like raw milk mm -hmm. or you know in the Hollywood the vaccination thing you mm -hmm. know he's like this is because we've lost that like appreciation for what experts say on mm -hmm. things and you know we were just kind of like hey, yeah a celebrity mm -hmm. says it you know it's on what's her name's website so mm -hmm. let's do it yeah. So, yeah, that is very much part of contemporary culture, meaning people in general are usually followers, and, and uh, the difficulty is in deciding who to follow, you know, or whom to follow. So, I mean, simple point, okay, suppose you have a giant scholar who is coming to speak at ISNA on, in one room, and then, let's say... Hmm. I mean, oh yeah, I mean, in terms of scholarship, like, nobody in their right mind would call me sheikh. Right, if, I mean, in terms of scholarliness. I can get a what line. Are you gonna call you? You're calling me compact. The yes, Zuno, that Zenith thing. Oh, that was oh yeah, yeah, that was. that you can. Yeah, that's <laughs> that was such a yeah. baller But um, uh, okay, so yeah, suppose suppose um, you know, Madonna or Kim Kardashian is coming to speak at Isna. <laughs> And they're not even Muslim. They, they haven't even converted or anything, right? You, you can allude to. Can you use Lindsay Lohan? Lindsay Lohan would be a better example, right? But I know. But uh, but uh, I think a lot of people don't know who she is anymore, uh, right? Um, yeah. But her new accent is hard to tell. Only yeah. Muslims yeah. don't know her now. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but on the Muslim internet, yeah. Yeah. Be celebrity. <laughs> so no, but my, but you see the point I'm making, right? Account. Suppose suppose. You know, oh, the easiest one, Angelina Jolie. Angelina oh, Jolie yeah. is coming to speak. Or Barack oh. Obama. Well, I mean, at least you could say he's a head of state, right? No, you know? Angelina Jolie, because she'll, like, she'll dress the part, fam. She will. Because yeah. she's I mean, the only woman allowed to, like, come in a bushes. Yeah, speak on the member. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, oh, please, go ahead. They will yeah. eat it up. The uncles yeah. and aunties, oh, my God. No one yeah. was about to tell Angelina Jolie you can't speak yet. Yeah, right, and so that, that sums it up, right? You know, that... Uh, you know, uh, to whom will we turn for our enlightenment? So, I mean, isn't it true? Yeah. Is it true? <laughs> so, so. No, it makes you nauseous. Yeah. That's just how it is. And, and I mean, no one is going to tell her what to wear. They won't. So she can come in dressed whatever way, and the the room will be full. Right? That's the reality. Yeah. That's the condition of, of uh, you know... I mean, that's uh, why the whole religion Lindsay, in America. Even the Lindsay Lohan thing yeah, was so big. Yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, it's like you always look at why do we, I, you get, like, I, why do we praise, like, these celebrity, like, what are they, you uh -huh. know, and it's like. That's our culture. Like, yeah, but then the funny thing is, I mean, ironically, like, no one will look at any other converts like that. Like, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, a normal, everyday well, community. Well, it's also because, like, <laughs> don't even want to, like... They do I, sometimes give them, like, mini-celebrity It's an initial, know? like, oh, yeah, it's totally, an initial, totally. like, high. And She's like, just, yeah, they do, yeah. I've, <laughs> I've, not I've, me. I've, She's I've like, seen it happen. from experience. Yeah, yeah. No, I, don't, I also think there's a level of, like, 
sanction or endorsement we're looking for. Oh, totally. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. So, like, especially yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. So white for celebrity, some, yeah. Yeah, if a white celebrity becomes Muslim, like, we're like, oh, my God. This yeah. Because, like, e- even if you think about it, like, if a black American celebrity is Muslim, it's not, it's, it's big. We it's have not, a bunch of... It's funny know, because yeah, we, like the biggest, the biggest celebrity we could ever have, we had, and we still, yeah. you know, Muhammad Ali, yeah. like, I mean... Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. let's even say this. Let's say mm-hmm. uh, Dave Chappelle is coming to Isna, okay? And he's going to perform a normal set. People but he's on Dean, though. Yeah, the, people will protest, but people also pack it. People pack the, on, pack I, the, I, the, would I would not hesitate to go to that. That's the point, right? You know, yeah, sure that, uh, um, that we even lower the standards of what is uh, acceptable uh, no. conduct. Yeah. Uh-huh. Suddenly, the person who's fuming, yes, the person who's fuming is has a change of heart. She's like that guy in the mushrooms who said, "Don't panic." She's like, "This is so wrong. This is so wrong." She's walking into the Dave Chappelle. Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, let's uh, do another paragraph. The remarkable Ottoman traveler. The remarkable Ottoman traveler Evliya Celebi. And Celebi. Chalabi describes his first encounter with the Ottoman Sultan Murad IV as having taken place at a royal party where wine was consumed. Evliya himself abstained, terminated by the mid-afternoon prayer. What did he say? He said, mashallah. Mashallah. <laughs> followed by a recitation from the Quran. What Rudy Mathi has written about Sevavid Iran applies throughout the Balkans to Bengal complex. Wine presents us with the fundamental paradox of a substance that, although formally forbidden, played an important role in society, its rituals, and its conventions. Uh-huh. So, wine was even important in these, uh, uh, in these uh, circles. Again, I don't think we'd be surprised if, you know, you have some, some prince from a Muslim family who also, you know, drinks. I don't think we'd be surprised even remotely. They, most of them do. Yeah. That's what we assume, right? And, and for them, that's normal, right? I mean, it's I probably not even a vice. It's just this is what we do. Yeah. 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 And I mean, think of cigarette smoking, right? Yeah. Cigarette smoking would be another example of that. I mean, I don't know how different it is when I went on Hajj after every single, you know, mashallah, after every single prayer, it was like this. It almost felt like a race to go to the borders of the haram. Really? And there's like this whole, you know, line of people just smoking. And then on the ground is this whole, you know, circle of cigarette butts. Right? No. Yeah, you're like, no, not at Hudge. Yeah, they're all smoking. Everybody house. smokes. Yeah. If smoking is going to, like, throw you off, <laughs> let me tell you about some of the other stuff that happens at Hudge. Oh, man. I just, I just, I won't even tell you. We're not even going to that. It's, uh, no. yeah, so, I mean. I just feel like we're like the, like, we're just like, no, no, we can't tell you. You're too much. You're, you're not ready for this. Masum, yeah. No, so, the, but the point being that, um, you know, uh, smoking for, for a long time was considered to be Islamically okay. And I still don't hear it's too many people it. today. Yeah. Even like, if people, but I don't get, I'm saying in terms of like, you know, like just, I don't, uh, can you think of any scholars who said smoking is haram? I mean, shouldn't it be haram? I mean, there's, I think Daisy's, well, you know, I, I read this, uh, you know who created the hookah? 
Oh. The Mughals. It was created in the Mughal court. Yeah, that, that looks like a Mughal thing. Yeah, and it, you know, like, it's seen as this Arab thing, yeah. and they find that hilarious, and I read up on it, and it was, like, created in the Mughal courts and went... Oh, I'm gonna yeah, actually, you, yeah, you see a lot of it's like an Islamic thing now. Yeah, totally. But non-Muslims are like, oh, that's like a Muslim. Yeah, no, yeah. I know, I know of a Muslim scholar. Not obviously, not won't say his name, yeah. which is hard for me to do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who, uh, yeah, he smoked like he'll smoke hookah with his students. And, really? Yeah. Wow. And it, no, the, the rationale was similar to the like, wine we thing. We were it? talking about like smoking. I was like, well, it's obviously bad for you, and yeah. you shouldn't do it, right? Yeah. And he's like, well. And like the guy's religious, he's like, "Well, I smoke with this scholar." I'm like, "Okay, uh-huh. but that doesn't mean it's not hurting you." Like, yeah. I was like, "He doesn't." It doesn't magically. surprise you me. Know, like Lebanon it? or something, but here that really surprised me. Didn't they? Me. Yeah. Didn't you say like they even use some sort of rationale about it being like spiritually elevated? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same. Like it's a spiritually same? elevating nonsense yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah, and I can't take that. That. So so, you know, um, what you should do is like just punch them. Oh man, I just had this spiritual high, you know. And uh, uh, let me do it again. Oh man, so you can find God this way. Yeah. Did you say that um, you can't find scholars who say that smoking is haram? Can you think of an example? Well, like I think in the Moss Foundation, there's always anti-smoking khutbas. Not okay. always, but sometimes. Does anyone say it's haram? Arafat did, I think. He did. I'm, I think so. Okay. Actually, he's younger, so I can see him doing it. You know, <laughs> you, you know that, that people don't think that because that's Ahmed the first thing people do after young, thought. Rising out of yeah. yeah. Keep an eye out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, I think that's the exception. I'm pretty sure Chef Jamal thinks that too, though. Um, Is that the, the guy who's good at fundraising? No, that's that's, that's Sheikh Kifa. Sheikh Kifa, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like um, Sheikh Kifa. Someone told him Jerusalem's were haram. He's like, really? <laughs> So, you just love everyone in the state. So I still think that's not the norm, okay. yeah, especially yeah. globally, right? Um, but the point is that it may be that a book like this will be written and talk about, you know, how common it was for people to smoke tobacco, mm-hmm. yeah. or marijuana. Yeah, marijuana is 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 allowed and supported like in North Africa. I think marijuana is just as prominent as like they're talking about wine here. Like I think people smoke it to that level where like yeah, yeah for they'll, sure. they'll smoke it and then be like, yeah, we'll pray us it. Like yeah. I mean, I don't know how many of them are praying us it, but I'm just saying like yeah, they're going through the motions, so inshallah they'll they'll get some. Inshallah, my point, yeah, but yeah. my point being, yeah, it's like, a lot a lot of Sajid's peers, not including Sajid, but yeah. Oh, I believe that for sure. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a brave new world, man. But if you don't right. find me, stays in the <laughs> What did you say? She was like, stay on the straight path. And I was like, if you don't find me. <laughs> Why would you do that to yourself? Why would you set yourself up? Yeah, like I just quit teaching. Okay. All right. I'll bring him back. Mashallah. Mashallah. Nice attempt at a save. All right. Okay, let's stop right here. So this is the, the paragraph. It is in this broader historical context of normalcy. Oh. That would be good to do, but we'll do it next time, inshallah. All right, subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashhadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilaik wa akhiru da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.